What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We are back after a good number of weeks, actually. We've been hibernating a little bit uh, towards the end of the season, um, planning our draft guide, which will be out, and I'm sure we'll mention that a little bit later. Um, we're joined by Raj, myself and Raj, going through a bit of a roundup this week. Uh, I've got a few things to talk about. We're going to focus on Heisman, some transfer portal transfers, big ones, and obviously uh, new coaching staff, little, little coaching carousel has been going on. Well, my friend, how's everything going? We're back. Oh, good, mate. You know what? It's uh, it's Christmas in terms of time of the year and getting ready for the draft. And it's it's a good time to just reflect on what's been going on in from the college scene. And you know what? It's actually felt, especially the transfer report, it's felt like free agency in the NFL. It's been absolutely wild. Like all the all the all the movements, both from a, a player and a coaching point of view, has been absolutely wild. So, yeah, we have to talk about it and. Um, Obviously, with the bowl games coming up and the college football championships matches coming up as well, it's uh, yeah, it's it's all going to be uh, it's all going to be coming to a head in the next couple couple of weeks. Yeah, it's it's a good word actually. Reflection. That's exactly what we've been doing, really, isn't it? That's what we're going to do today. And like you yeah. say, we've uh, we took a bit of time off, but we've come back at just the right time, swooping back in for the uh, college football playoff. Obviously, in a couple of weeks' time, just after Christmas, and yeah, we've got a fair bit to get through, haven't we? In terms of the three topics that we've kind of chosen to cover. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. I think the one that happened longest ago, Heisman Trophy winner, you know, after the regular season um, finished, worthy winner, I would say. And Bryce Young, I think we both called this uh, earlier on in the season, didn't we? With with uh, with Bryce Young, no, <laughs> no, no one thought of this. We all thought Rattler. We were having a chat about it last Friday, weren't we? And we all thought Rattler before the uh, before the season. That obviously didn't pan out the way it should be, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. But you know, like I say, a worthy winner nonetheless. That bit wasn't a joke, I say. Yeah, no one read the article we did at the start of the season about who our Heisman um, prediction was because we were all wrong. But I think early on in the season, I think obviously we were seeing with Oklahoma, the, they weren't as good as they were billed. And then um, just seeing how good Bryce Young was just coming in and just just being a, the best quarterback in college football already, at, at, even with such a few starts. I, I think it was a worthy, wither, worthy winner and... Um, for each Heisman winner, they need the Heisman moment. And it wasn't so much a Georgia game for me. It was the Auburn game. Yeah. Whereby he did not have a good game. It was his worst game probably as a as a as a starter. But to get Bammer of the line it, it, in overtime and just to just to show that sort of poise when when Bama needed it the most, I think that was his Heisman moment. And then obviously the George game, he was just absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, I just I, there's just no questions to be honest. He's just excited for next year now because uh, it's gonna it's probably be more of the same and another one year experience on under his belt. Same again, even better. And like, who's there to stop him next year? Obviously, there will probably be names coming out of the woodwork, but you can't really see who's gonna who's gonna eclipse him after this, the talent he showed this year. So yeah, worthy winner, um, and no complaints from me. And let's see let's see how we how he does. Against Cincinnati to start off with, because um, yeah, 
it's probably going to light it up on national on the national uh, TV platform again. That's it. I mean, it's it's another great word like poise. I think that's the word that we've all used throughout the season for him. And I think once you know Rattler got benched and it started to go a bit sour, maybe before that, I think it was around week three or four. I remember being on the podcast and I was talking about Bryce Young's poise and how he just looks like a seasoned veteran out there. And like you say, he just went all the way through. And that Auburn game is exactly the moment that I was going to mention too, in terms of the the moment that kind of got him over the line. Because like you say, it wasn't the it wasn't kind of like putting together a great drive per se or, you know, an incredible throw and, and like to get a great result. It was like literally just showing a little bit of grit, which, I mean, let's take it right back to the beginning of the season. We all doubted Alabama as a whole. You know, we all thought they were on for a down year. Or certainly, you know, quite a few of us were, not just on the pod, but as the wider college football community. But, you know, I was definitely part of that group. I'll pull my hands up. But this guy and this team definitely showed what they're all about. And, uh, you know, they're dangerous coming into the, the uh, college football playoff. I know they're not obviously the number one team or anything like that. In terms of over the whole season, you know, Georgia showed that, you know, they were the number one team in the regular season, I thought. So, but, you know, they've got a chance, good as any, especially with Nick Saban at the helm, obviously, as, as usual. But, yeah, I just think there's no, no, no one else in my mind that really came close. I know that Kenny Pickett, I know that Kenneth Walker to a certain degree. I know you've got a grievance about someone else who we'll come on to in a minute, but I don't think there's anyone who really came close. I thought this was pretty easy. And I thought in the end, the chatter about other people was just so that it was a conversation. I think it was a bit manufactured. I think you deserved to win it. Um, although I sense that you don't completely agree with that there, what I've just said. Yeah, well, I think Aiden Hutchinson deserves to be in the conversation because I think he's he's been outstanding as well. And from a defensive point of view, he's had his highs and moments, especially against um, Ohio State. He just... Mm just absolutely dominant and a game wrecker um and yeah I, I, i'm happy that he was on the list as well um but the the other two guys cj stroud yeah yeah for he he he, he had a tough start um and he, he he showed that he's he's gonna in year two he's gonna be very good there's the raw materials and tools there but yeah i think there was a big gap between Young to Hutchinson and then Hutchinson to Stroud and then obviously your man Kenny Pickett as well. <laughs> yeah, and I think you said it right as well. I think looking forward to next year, although you know we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it's going to be nice to kind of have some top-level quarterbacks to be looking at because CJ Stroud looked fantastic. Like you say, didn't start off the hottest, but by the end of the season, he was looking amazing as well. And then obviously you got Young as well, so we're going to have a little bit of a battle for... You know the most draft, the best draft eligible quarterback. Although both still got eligibility left, so we'll see what happens. You know, as Spencer out the show this year, it's not always guaranteed to, to happen just because you're the most talented guy in the uh, in the draft class. But uh, yeah, no, we'll come on to that a little bit later on. But I know you wanted to talk up Will Anderson as well a little bit. I know you uh, you mentioned a couple of defensive guys there, but Will Anderson as well. You were a bit aggrieved about him uh, being snubbed a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's it's mainly a case of the the. They can't have too many defensive players in the Heisman vote. So they, they could put one in and that's about it. But just his stats in the season, like 91 tackles, 31 and a half tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks. Like he's an absolute monster and a game wrecker. He is the leader of that defence. And it was the defence that, for me, kept Bama going, especially in that Auburn game. And in a lot of games, like he was just an absolute machine just in the in, in the front seven. He's just a game wrecker. Um and this is what I don't understand. Like, 
for the, the Benrec Award, that went to Jordan Davis. And like his equivalent stats, what he had like 28 tackles versus Will Anderson's 91 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss and two and, a, and two sacks. Like, I'm sorry, like in what world is Jordan Davis the Benrec winner? I just, it just beggars belief. And it, probably because he's draft eligible, so he's, he's obviously going to the NFL. They maybe probably be Will Anderson next year if he does something similar, or even even a notch down. It will still be sort of if he puts up stats like that, then he's going to be in the conversation again. But it's more of a token award about rather than actually judging the best player. And he's probably the best defensive player in college, so he should have been in the Heisman conversation just with those stats alone. I think they're on par with like even like Aaron Donalds when he was at Pitt and mm. just. Just elite, elite production. Yeah, I mean, like you say, the video game numbers aren't they really? And like you say, he's an absolute game record, even outside the numbers. It's like you say, the leader of the defense, the way they wanted a big play, they got a big sack from him or a tackle for loss, and just gave him the jolt of life. And like you say, it wasn't um, all smooth sailing, you know, as we, as we saw obviously in Texas A and M game and things like that. But you know, over the vast majority of the season, like I say, they were very, very good, and and he was the best player on the team for a vast portion of the season. So, yeah, to have him kind of come up empty in terms of the award is kind of weird. Um, but it's one of those things, isn't it, where you need a storyline that surrounds like the Heisman, you need a storyline that surrounds a lot of the other awards, awards as well. And, you know, Jordan Davis had a lot of things like social media hype and things like that, and a lot of just buzz around his just story and about how large he is and things like that. So it's one of those things, isn't it? It's a bit like being on the X Factor and you have to have a little story behind you, don't you? It's not always been about the best singer. Yeah, I know. I was, I was, I thought I was going to be a great singer one day until, <laughs> until they they heard me singing on the terraces at Old Trafford, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> this lad can't sing. So, but anyway, yeah, but yeah, it, it is a popularity contest. It's like Pro Bowl, isn't it? It's like mm. that's just a popularity contest. It's just yeah. I mean, that's open another another can of worms. I was tweeting <laughs> about that before we came on this earlier this evening, but yeah, we'll leave that to the NFL lads. Um, yeah, we'll 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 leave that one right there. Obviously, the, the next thing obviously we're going to come on to is about the, the transfer portal. Yeah. And like you said at the top of the programme, it is a bit like the free agents period, isn't it? It's going to be like that now, isn't it? Just before we get into the kind of players that we're going to talk about. And we are only talking about like a small selection. But this is going to change the way that teams are built and rosters are built in college football, isn't it? You know, we've seen, um, you know, we talked about it a couple of times last year. I know that myself and Andy did a podcast all about it. And we've kind of got a year of sample size now. And some teams have made a real success of it. And I feel like if you need results, it's going to be like, right, I'm just going to use the portal, get like almost a ready-made product rather than taking a high school guy to develop it. I think we're going to see a lot more red shirt years. And with NIL as well, we're going to see a lot more kind of big deals going uh, all the way across the country and some deals that maybe you wouldn't have seen before. Yeah, I think yeah, the NIL has made a massive difference. And if you look at the sample size of what happened this year, you look at someone like know, Jameson Williams or... Uh, Jermaine Johnson or mm. just just those guys, they have earned millions and millions of dollars just by entering the transfer portal last year and yeah. projecting to be first round talents potentially this year. So mm. the carrot is there and it's about obviously choosing the right program, getting into the right program and just that one year of 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 uh, sort of transferring to another program could be life-changing for these guys. So, yeah, I, I can, it's going to be like free agency in the NFL. It's just going to be some massive, massive deals. We've already seen some massive, massive transactions already this summer. This mm. is this winter and 
don't be surprised if there's many more to come. It, ha- it hasn't stopped. I, I know. No. I know we've been ribbing uh, uh, Kieran about Keishon Butte could be entering the transfer portal. And anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens. But don't be surprised if there's more big names going through that cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, it, it is a place to make money. It's a place to rebuild your programme. It's also a place to rebuild your reputation. And the first player that we're going to talk about is obviously Spencer Rattler going from Oklahoma to South Carolina. I mean, it needed to happen. He could not have possibly come out and declared for the draft because he wouldn't have been drafted. You know, he's had a pretty horrendous season. His stock has fallen through the floor. He's not performed especially well. And, you know, he's fallen from a, a quite a height as well. As, as we mentioned before, he was like the number one guy coming into the, the season. And I think it makes it almost worse that he's fallen from such a height down to the depths that he is. But one thing that stands out for me is as much as he's going to be against SEC defences, it's a weird move because he's not going to be surrounded by half the talent he was at Oklahoma. And I know it's Shane Beamer. I know it's the guy that recruited him to Oklahoma that's now there. Apart from that, I can't really see too many virtues in this transfer because, like I say, he's not going to have the talent. He's going to be on a lesser SEC team. What's the kind of what? What's the bar that's going to make it a good season? Him make him kind of draftable because it's not going to be, you know, getting them into the playoffs or making them, you know, a division champion or something similar to that. Like, like he would have been aiming for at Oklahoma, or he could, probably could have got similar moves where he would have been in kind of similar aspirations, or at least you know going for a division title. But he's not going to be like that because they're going to have Georgia, they're going to have Florida in the way, if not more. So I'm struggling to see the the positives in this one. Have you got anything that I'm not seeing in this one? Because I think it's a bit of a strange one. So obviously familiar, familiarity with Shane Beecher. Uh, I think he's in that maybe mental state, whereby we saw at the end there, he wasn't the greatest of teammates came, came to Caleb Wilson. He was, and maybe he just needs that, new change of scenery that freshness to just mm. re-engage and sort of tap back into that talent that we thought we saw in 2020 and also as well the sec east i don't think it's going to be that strong next year because georgia are losing a lot of their defense next year so very much like you know ohio state this year they lost a lot of their defense last year and their defense is ultimately what what let them down especially in the, against Oregon, for example, earlier in the season. Mm. So that's that's there. Florida are nowhere near challenging. Uh, obviously, new, new head coach. Kentucky are on the on the way up, but they're losing a few key guys so to the NFL. Players, right? they don't yeah, anyway. exactly. Tennessee surprised a lot of people, but yeah. So there is an opportunity for South Carolina to, to make a difference there. So from that side, I can see the positives there. And if he does shine, if he if he takes them from uh, sort of the offensive garbage that they were last year to elevate that offense to a, a good standard, whereby they are potentially competing for the SEC East, then that's only going to raise his profile. Yeah, I mean, I think I guess we've kind of just attacked it from slightly different ways because I mentioned Georgia and Florida being the guys who stand in their way, and maybe not Florida to a degree, but Georgia. I don't want to um, write off the top programs after what I'm trying to learn from right off Alabama, I guess, so they're in the season. I know they'll have some good recruits and things that are coming up from behind. So like you say, they will lose a lot of players, but I don't want to write them off, even though they are going to lose a heck of a lot of talent. So yeah, like you say, he could be the guy to turn it around, you know, familiarity, a bit of confidence, things like that. 
Um, I'm sure he'll have a couple of decent players, you know, coming along with him. Um, yeah, I don't think he'll be the only one that transfers in there because I guess from South Carolina's point of view, that's that's the positive of getting a big name like that, isn't it? You know, it brings other people with him sooner or later. So, yeah, it's good for them. It's a good get for South Carolina. I think it's more positive for them rather than him. Do you think that he can rebuild himself over a season in the SEC with, with uh, South Carolina? No, because the, the, the steep fall from 20 to 21, it reminds me a lot of uh, Brock Purdy, where his first season, he, he really showed up to be, right, this guy could be the kid. And then the more he played college football, the worse he got, it felt like. And I just mm-hmm. think with Rattler last year, there were some fundamentals that you think can they be coached out of him? His decision making, his his lack of zip, which was which was one of his strengths, his arm talent. Yeah, it yeah. was just like like he was just his passes were really floaty last year, and it's just like um, okay, how much of that is can be coached out, or how much of that is now ingrained? And unfortunately, it's um, that's who he is as a quarterback. So that's why I'll probably say no, but I wouldn't be surprised if he manages to turn, to turn that narrative around? I think, I mean, I haven't seen South Carolina on schedule, so I can't really say how many wins they'll get or something like that. I think there's enough basic talent there that he'll rebuild himself somewhat. And I think he'll rebuild himself to being a draftable player in the NFL. I mean, he's still got, like you say, he's still got some fundamental things wrong. He's probably too small still. He's probably starting to put some weight on and, and like you say, look after the football a little bit more and, and just become a better player, just as every kind of sophomore, junior kind of player needs to be in some way or another. I think he'll build himself up to be a draftable player. I think he'll prove, prove himself somewhat. And like I say, I don't think he'll be, he'll bond completely. But I also don't think that's not a possibility. I think there's, there's definitely a possibility he could do that. And we could just be looking at him being, I don't know, like the next Tate Martell or something like that. Yeah, I don't, he won't hit the heights of being selected as number one overall. That obviously we all thought he would be this year. I don't. I think that 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 ship sailed because of this year's tape mm. and the character questions that arose out, out of that as well. I think obviously teams want a a leader at quarterback, and he didn't show that he was a, a good teammate, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, it's will he be draftable? Probably. How high will he get? Will he get get back into the sort of mm. the upper echelons of draft talk? We just don't know. We just don't know. Um, but I don't think he'll ever be being in the conversation number one overall again. Yeah, especially when going back to earlier, we were talking about obviously Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, a couple of other guys. You're going to write right be right there at the top of the draft class, and to go and kind of put yourself amongst that again, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. I think. Yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see see how that shakes out. Next, obviously, we've got uh, Quinn Ewers, who obviously spent a season at Ohio State. He's now rocking up back in Texas with the Longhorns. It's all a bit pointless, really, that wasn't it? <laughs> it was. All, all, all that kerfuffle and all that, all that dramatics, and he's done a 180. And yeah, well, he had to leave Ohio State. There is no question yeah. about it. Yeah. DJ Stroud's got the keys to that quarterback room, so he had to move. Um, and I think it's a marriage where he needs Texas and Texas need him because yeah. the way yeah. Texas finished off that season, like 
there is a lot of doom and gloom how they finished that season. The Oklahoma game completely ruined them last year. And it's a case of they need to have something to look forward to next year. Um, and having Quinn, obviously we don't know what Quinn Ewers is going to be like. We've seen we've seen the Twitter videos, we've seen the supposed arm talent and mm. and the mullet. And, uh, and obviously he has Xavier Worthy there as well, which is probably one of the best coed receivers uh, out there at the minute. And he was a freshman last year. So, and with Sarkis in there as well, I think he has something to prove as well. So head coach, quarterback, and the French, and and the program, they all need something to prove next year. So it might, it's probably the probably the best decision for for them to make themselves relevant because it was really disappointing how they finished off last year. Yeah, I mean, obviously he'll look at his bank balance and say it wasn't pointless because obviously he's made a decent amount of money off that. And, you know, he has got to work out with Ohio State players, with Ohio State coaches and be around that environment. So probably better than playing his senior year in high school. But, mm-hmm. you know, playing time-wise, it was a it was the wrong decision, I think. I mean, obviously he just went there because he could. But even that room, you know, you had Stroud and then you got two five-stars as well, Miller and Kyle McCord as well. So he was always going to be fighting an uphill battle because even if Stroud stunk it out, he probably wasn't first in line to play, right? Because he's got two other guys who've been there longer and things like that. So, yeah, kind of a bizarre decision. Like you said, I think you've hit the nail on the head, really, that the the Texas program as a whole, like you say, it needs it. And it could be like a nice redemption story, you know, hometown kid going back um, and, you know, lifting them up from a really poor season, you know, where they were mid-table in the Big 12, which isn't anywhere near where they want to be, especially with the SEC move on the horizon. It's one of those things where I think it is kind of set up for it to be a nice little redemption. So I do see that that the way it's it's going to go because as much as, like I say, it's a bit of a mystery because all we've seen is like Twitter clips and YouTube highlights and things like that from the Elite 11. The Big 12 isn't the SEC. It's not the Big 10. You know, defense is not fantastic in that conference. And he's certainly got the improvisational skills and the arm talent seemingly to be able to make a success of that. Plus, you know, he's got those, he's going to have a, you know, 100,000 people he's back every Saturday afternoon as well. So I see this one going pretty well. Um, obviously, he's on the other end of his his career in terms of, you know, as we've just been talking about Spencer Rattler. Um, you know, we'll see how this one goes as well. But yeah, I see this one being a success. I feel like it's a good move for everyone involved. Like you say, it might keep Steve Sarkeesian off the uh, off the hot seat as well. And like I say, he's got some playmakers as well, because obviously you mentioned Worthy, also D- uh, Bijan Robinson as well, who's there still. Um, so they should, could make a nice trio and, and Texas, in the words of Sam Ellinger, could be back uh, maybe after next year. You would think so, but with the offensive um, sort of guru in Sarkeesian, mm. he's got the best running back in football, one of the best receivers in football and then a five-star recruit at quarterback. So the pieces are there. Yeah, plus like obviously their I'll say biggest rival in the conference is going through a bit of a transition period. Obviously we'll talk about Lincoln Riley in part three of them, talk about coaches, but you know, Brent Venable's going there and he's got to pick up the pieces and you know he's obviously a defensive guy. Lincoln Riley's a offensive guru in the same mould as you're kind of making Steve Sarkeesian out to be probably even you know, even better. So, you know, he, he that's gonna be a programme in a bit of transition. So they can take advantage of that, I think, as well. Um, you know, Iowa State is going to lose a couple of players. Obviously, Brees Hall's going to the NFL. 
Um, you know, Baylor, Dave Randall's doing a great job there, but talent-wise, Texas should have more. So if they can put it together, it's all open for them to kind of make a quick return towards the top end of the conference, I think. So, yeah, like I say, it should, should work out pretty well. Yeah, no, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting narrative next year. Yeah, no, for sure. Next, obviously, we'll come, obviously, it's a shame Kieran's not here because Eli Ricks going from LSU to Alabama, he would not have been happy. He's not been happy about this one. We've obviously been, like you said before, taking the piss a little bit with Keishon Butte maybe making the same journey. But this one seems like a bit of a, oh, it's kind of like taking him back a little bit because that's not a transition that people usually make from one team to the other. Yeah, especially DBU as well, sort of, uh, <laughs> as, as Kieran would as Kieran would. Oh, he's profess. gone there. Sorry? Gone there. Who? To DBU. Is it gone? No, I said to D. He's gone to DBU. Oh, he's gone to DBU. Well, I don't know. Like, if <laughs> uh, if you've got uh, Stingley and uh, uh, they've, they've had a, a raft of people go through. Yeah, they've had a lot of quarterbacks. Are. And Tyron Matthew and like all those guys. They just you know, Greedy Williams. They, they they produce. They now produce corners. So, hmm. and he would have been cornerback one next year with obviously Stingley being out. Well, Stingley not being out, but declaring for the NFL. Sure. But you go into Bama at another like like their their secondary is just going to be loaded again. Uh, obviously, I think Josh Job will declare, so that's the old obviously the the replacement there. Um, yeah, it's just it's just it, it's such a big surprise that he left and, and went to Bama, uh, and Bama proved last year that the transfer portal could work absolute wonders for them. Yeah, is that all? It needs is that one player, um, and yeah, that's. Uh, I would not be surprised if if he's the best cornerback in college football next year. Yeah, because he's super talented. Obviously, five star prospects. Um, kind of like you say, it's been like LSU kind of uh, conveying a lot, hasn't it? Really, where you get two corners, one declares, one becomes the other one becomes the number one. Then the next year he goes, someone else backfills that, and it's just kind of conveyed. But a little bit like what we had from Ohio State not too long ago as well when they were sending first-round draft picks. But yeah, obviously Bama, another team that do that consistently, especially in the secondary. So yeah, I mean, he's going to be obviously a new culture, new system, Saber, and obviously defensive mastermind. I mean, I think he probably would have gone in first round anyway, but, you know, if he's going to be first round, potentially, you know, in the playoffs again, because I don't think he would have been there with, you know, with LSU next year, he's just going to be in the national spotlight even more and it's just going to do wonders for his drafts off again. So yeah, it's a great move for him. LSU fans must be feeling pretty salty about it because I don't know what the motivation is, but obviously it's got to be something pretty negative to move to one of your biggest rivals in college football, you know, in the same division. Obviously, it's not something that would happen in the NFL, maybe, but, um, you know, it's not something that happened in college football until this. So, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a strange move, but kind of a super interesting one as well because I, uh, I, again, I don't know whether they're playing each other and where that is and things like that for next year, but. Imagine if he goes has to go back. That's going to be pretty tasty reception. Yeah, well, it's a strong getting stronger, and I don't think Bama really replaced Patrick Sertain last mm. year. I think mm. their secondary play was probably their weakest area, uh, as well as the offensive line. But yeah, Ricks knows that there's there's that blueprint of Sertain and Trayvon Diggs and and those guys, whereby you get you get the the grounding at Bama, and he's probably got the grounding at. LSU as well, like his brain is just full of being an elite corner, probably. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's see what happens. 
Yeah, let's see what happens. It's, it's definitely one to watch for sure. I think, yeah, we've got a good defensive candidate in there for the transfer portal here. Uh, we just finished off with a couple of quarterbacks really, really quickly. Um, seems like the Pac-12 is the place to be for, for quarterbacks at the minute. Um, we're not going to talk about him, but Michael Penix has gone to Washington. Uh, we obviously got a couple of guys who recently went over there. We'll talk about these together. Because um, like I say, it's all in the same conference. Dylan Gabriel going from UCF to uh, UCLA. And uh, just yesterday, as we recorded on Tuesday, uh, sorry, Monday evening, uh, Bo Nix um, turned up in Oregon, which I thought was kind of strange. It's got some positives, got some negatives. My initial thought of that one wasn't very positive as someone who likes this conference and likes Oregon quite a bit as well. I I don't know. I feel like kind of conflicted by this because he's not been my favourite player over the past year. Me calling him the next Ellinger and things like that. Uh, it's kind of come back to bite me a little bit since, uh, like I say, I've got a bit of an affinity for Oregon at the minute with Justin Herbert and like being a Pac-12 team. It just seems a bit of a, um, a step in a different direction because obviously Mario Cristobal's, and we'll talk about him soon, has always recruited really well, uh, but never in the South. It's always been the West Coast and things like that. It just seems like a bit of a change of direction, which will be positive. And, you know, Daniel Lanning, the new head coach, he's definitely going to use his connections in the South to get some players. But this just feels like another Anthony Brown. It just feels like another run first, pass second kind of quarterback who, you know, is going to be the same sort of mould, which, as we saw this season, doesn't really get it done when you need it to. Although it might be good enough for a few wins in the Pac-12, it's not going to get him into college football playoff, which is surely what Oregon should be aiming for. Um so, yeah, it kind of feels like a bit of a sideways step. And um, it just means they're just going to be another run-first, defence-first team. Um, we saw today that Mike Pittman's transferred from Oregon to FSU because he wasn't being targeted. And I bet he's double glad that he's not done that now that Nix has turned up because he's not going to get targeted if Bo Nix was the quarterback there as well. So, yeah, kind of a strange one. The exciting one is Dylan Gabriel going to UCLA. I'm not 100% sure Dylan Gabriel's a Sunday player, but he's a super fun college quarterback and he'll suit Chip Kelly down to the ground. He'll shoot you. He'll suit UCLA down to the ground as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that one because that's going to, you know, it's going to cause some fireworks. I think he's a very, very exciting quarterback, um, and it's going to be an exciting conference next year because obviously we've got Riley coming in. Nick's obviously who on his day can make some plays. He's not the greatest quarterback in the world. Gabriel the same, but Utah you're going to have Jaden Daniels as well. It would have been even more fireworks if Rattler had turned up at Arizona State as well. Maybe it would have become the premier. Conference of quarterbacks in the whole college football. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know what you you think of these two. These are kind of some interesting ones. Um, kind of two different kind of quarterbacks, and I'm feeling differently about each of them. I think. Yeah, I, I want to talk more about Dylan Gabriel because I Andy put him on to me about a year and a half ago, mm. and um, he, like you said, he's a super fun quarterback to watch. It's just the injuries and how he's yeah. going to come back from that injury that's just going to be the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't, I'm, that's one I'm actually really looking forward to is, is it's like, a, obviously being a Miami fan to uh, lefties, obviously got a punch up for lefties and yeah, I, 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 I like Pinnix Jr. as well, Indiana, but obviously that hasn't gone too well. Hence, hence he's gone to Washington, but he has got some raw materials, Dylan Gabriel, his accuracy, his touch. He has got decent arm talent. If he can combine that with, Chip Kelly offense and getting coming back from his injury, I think that for me is is more exciting than Bo Nix going to Oregon. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a Bo Lever. I'm just uh, I'm just uh, yeah, just uh, we've seen enough at Auburn. Like, what, what's he going to bring to Oregon that we haven't seen before? 
Um, so it's a bit of a meh. Mm. Uh, it, it's got people talking because it's Bo Nix and obviously he was five star and there was all the hype around him but we've seen enough to know that he just isn't that guy and what's going to change in one season in a different environment that's going to change our narrative on him yeah I, I, I feel exactly the same I don't feel like it's going to move the needle at all I don't think he's going to really develop too much he's going to he's not exactly going to be asked to do anything differently than he was doing for Auburn. He's going to still be the same guy. He's not going to be asked to like spread it out and you know be a kind of spread quarterback or anything like that because that's not who he is. He's, he might play spread, but he's going to be running it a bunch of times from you know read options and RPOs and things like that. So I don't know. Um, what it does do, it gives Oregon a stopgap to maybe recruit someone big next year. Uh, they've got Ty Thompson as well, who's four-star. Obviously, we're talking about transfers right now, but he might not even win that job, you know, and that'd be super disappointing for him if he doesn't, but like I say, it's a pretty sizable name, I guess, in the college football landscape. He's come from a big college in the South to the West Coast. So I guess in that sense, it's a bit of a get. If it does work out well, it sows the seeds for Oregon to kind of dip into that um, sort of area again, especially with Daniel Lyon and a couple of the coaches coming from that area. So, uh, you know, it could be long-term, it could be a good deal for Oregon. It could be, a, a you know, something that makes your eyeballs turn their way. But on the field, I don't think it moves the needle too much. I think we're kind of in agreement on that one. Yeah, and I think... Um... Like you said, the Pac-12 is a very much a talking division at the minute. And maybe that's sort of Oregon's way to sort of subsidise the loss of Cristobal going, such a big, big void to fill, just to get them back on the radar with some positive, positive press. Just mm. five-star recruit going to Oregon, even though we know what Bonix is like. So, yeah, we, we yeah. shall see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, this is probably a subject that we'll revisit later on in the winter because... You know, there's plenty more transfers to, to come, I'm sure. Uh, we just wanted to pick out a few. Um, but then again, stepping back, and we've mentioned a couple of these coaches already, but we'll just mention the coaching carousel. Let's let, let's you know remain in the Pac-12, I guess. And the biggest one of the summer, obviously, was uh, sorry the winter um, with Lincoln Riley going to USC. Kind of came from nowhere. There was obviously rumours of him going to LSU. Again, we'll come on to that in a little while. But by all accounts, USC have come over, coming with a big offer. And he's taken it and it puts them right back on the map, doesn't it? After, you know, they, uh, you know, they're a big blue blood college name, but they've not put it up, put up the numbers. They've not put in the performances and they've been a bit of a shambles recently. You know, they've got some good recruits and things like that, but they've not had any coaching to kind of put that together. And Riley kind of seems like a massive sea change in that he will get recruits and he'll get them playing. And, you know, he's, the hottest name in college football before with NFL interest. So it's so a huge, huge get for the Pac-12, huge get for the USC. And um, yeah, kind of, I guess, put LSU in their place as well, which Kieran wouldn't have any of in the group chat over the past few weeks. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited about this as someone who watches this conference a lot. I think he'll do wonders for Jackson Dart and a whole bunch of their other players as well, because obviously they'll, they'll continue to get good recruits and they always have. So yeah, it's, it's good time to be a USC fan if you are one. Money, 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 money. That's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> the guy's bank balance is, he's probably got a house similar to Cliff Kingsbury as in Arizona. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, it's what USC need. They need to tap into that talent in California. Like it is, as we said numerous times in various pods, that is a hotbed of talent for college football. Make the most of it. Um, and, I've, I've obviously there's there's the 
other side of the argument whereby as he bottled it, he doesn't want to be in the SEC. And maybe he's he's just avoiding sort of competitive football. So yeah, all right, go to USC where the Pac-12 is obviously not as strong and going forward as well, it's not going to be as strong as well with the SEC bringing on so many more mm. great teams. So is this just um, him making a sideways move to protect his legacy and his name rather than actually putting his putting the balls on the line and saying, right, I'm going to stay at Oklahoma or I'm going to move to LSU? I, yeah, I, I can see I can see why that argument's there. To be honest, see, but, I, I, oh sorry, you carry on. Sorry, but but uh, yeah, it's exciting what he did, what he can do with Jackson Dart and uh, obviously bringing the air raid offense to um, USC as well. It's going to be because they they know how to produce receivers. They always produce great receivers. So it's let's see what how that works. But um, but yeah, it's did he bottle it? See, this is it. This obviously we've we've heard and we've seen this argument be made. Maybe it's my Pac-12 bias, but I don't think that's the case. I think as you kind of opened up uh, what you were just saying there, money talks at the end of the day. But I don't think I don't think it's um, to be underestimated that if you're the guy that brings USC back into the national spotlight, wins the Pac-12, gets them into a playoff place, that counts for a lot, you know. And I think yeah, he could have stayed at Oklahoma. He could have you know gone into SEC. Built them up, probably made them a decent SEC team in you know in a few years' time after they got there and you know managed to acclimatize themselves. But you know, a new project, a new area to live, as he kind of said, and you know he can say what he wants in his press conference, can't he? But I do think that to coach USC is a, is a huge honor and is one of the biggest institutions in in the world, you know, for education and also for for football, for college football. And like, yeah, to put them back on the map, I think, is a lot. And to tap into that California hotbed, as you mentioned, because um, obviously it didn't happen before he went there, but Cristobal has gone now and he used to nick them all and make yeah. them, or, or ask them, not make them, um, ask them to go and play in Oregon in the rain. Um, and now he doesn't have that. Obviously, you know, Daniel Lanning, he's a first-year head coach. He's not going to have the same pull, at least at the beginning. Um Hence, you know, why he needs Bo Nix and needs players like that to come from the South and maybe it needs to kind of reverse that trend a little bit. But Cristobal used to steal a lot of the recruits from underneath USC's noses and in UCLA's noses as well. And he doesn't have that to have to contend with now. And I don't think he would have had a lot of problem keeping him in California anyway, to be honest with you, because he's Lincoln Riley. So to get the home recruits to make this team, to get him in the college football playoff, I think it's huge. And I think that's what he's going to want to do. And uh, yeah, you could say that he might have bottled the SEC and things like that. And I don't think he'll care if he's going to make it. I don't think he, yeah. he's, yeah, I think he can justify his move if he could say, well, no, I actually wanted to do this and here I am, I've done it kind of thing. Yeah. And I think as well, like going back to the argument, the transfer portal as well, like if you know that Lincoln Riley is the head coach of a, of a new program, that could be a, like a fantastic opportunity for USC to tap into that, that pool of talent as well, that it's obviously going to, sort of keep growing as, as we've seen day mm. by day there's always names going in, into the transfer portal so just that name and that prestige just gives so USC so much weight as well um, and everyone wants, wants to see USC back or everyone wants to see a big Pac-12 team in, in the college football playoffs like, everyone wants to see that so um, obviously Lincoln having Lincoln Riley in that in that division is is the first step towards that yeah just shows isn't it that like LA is the place to be, and that's that also counts for a lot because you know you've got Sean McVay there, you've got the five billion dollar stadium there, 
Chargers are on the up and up. USC's back. Dylan Gabriel's going to UCLA. It's the home of football almost. <laughs> the weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, we were talking about earlier, you know, the scenery and things like that. It's it's a great place to be. And you know, to, to put yourself on the map out there is is huge. You know, not that I don't think he's there, gone there for the glitz and glamour and things like that, but you know, it's it is it is LA's team at the end of the day. USC is LA's team. It's not the Chargers, it's not the Rams, it's UCLA. Uh, sorry, it's USC, excuse me. When yeah, they're, and, when they're, when they're firing. And there's lots of in and out joints as well. So if you fancy a good burger, <laughs> then, <yes. laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Let, let's stay on the West Coast and we'll, we'll kind of leave the other kind of in and out um, to the last. Like I mentioned before, Mario Cristobal leaving Oregon, going to Miami. I mean, obviously, Cristobal was mentioned in the, US, uh, the LSU job, um, kind of rumor mill and things like that. I did say to Kieran, this is the only job he'd leave for, and he did. And it's a massive get for Miami. It's a massive get for the West Coast because not only has Chris Mogg on there, he's taken a few of their coaching staff as well. Um, I know that Miami don't have the best facilities in the world, but they do now have some really, really good coaches. They've got an elite recruiter as well in another football hotbed in Florida. So if Mario can keep those guys in Florida and make, you know, persuade them to go to Miami, they could again be, be kind of back. And I know that we were talking about Miami and we're all wrong again. You know, ACC predictions, uh, a couple of us talking up Miami kind of being the second best team after Clemson. Again, another thing we got wrong. Um, you know, I think that Miami could be, yeah, on the up and up, as I mentioned. It's all about tapping into that hotbed of talent in Florida. That's Florida and California, the two hotbeds of talent. And especially in Florida, there needs to be a drive for those Florida teams to rec- keep their talent in state because the likes of your Alabamas, your Georgias, your... Your, all, all the big SEC teams are pinching a lot of that talent that's in there. Um, and yeah, as you said, Cristobal is a recruit. He, he knows how to recruit. He's got Tyler Van Dyke there, who is who I'm extremely excited about next year. Mm. Um, so he has a quarterback there. Um, so there's something to build around. And again, money talks. But the, 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 pay, the pay packet was there in front of him. Obviously, the connection with Miami he already has as well. That 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 obviously does have a big pull for him. Um, and out of all the head coaching hires, I think this is the one I'm most excited about because I, we want to see a, like like you said about a, like a, a good Pac-12 team or like a team from California to really be one of the top top teams in college football. You want to see a top Florida team there as well, um, and. Miami's got as good a chance as anyone now to sort of start building the foundations to to hopefully be that team because yeah it's it, they've been in the doldrums and they've been sort of a non-event under Manny Diaz for, for for a bit and just sort of just haven't haven't tapped into the opportunities that they've got down there. Spoken like a true Dolphins fan, mate. <laughs> I know it's just it's it, it, it's it's just the it's just the uh, the city of mediocrity. I think. <laughs> <laughs> just just one thing before we kind of move on how do you what's your take on how they handled this because obviously it wasn't the nicest way to do things obviously Diaz hadn't actually officially been let go and they'd hired Cristobal it's not the greatest way to do things is it yeah but Diaz was on Diaz must have known since September October that he was he was a dead man walking um yeah maybe there was no class but Unfortunately, that's business. And if you want to go and get your man, get your man. Mm. And no one will be talking about this narrative in six months' time. 
I mean, so, no one's really talked about it since, have they? There's a little bit of a murmuring once Chris Ball got hired or when he was being interviewed and things like that. And then it was just like, oh, well, that's fine. Let's move on kind of thing. Yeah. And Manny Diaz has already got a new position. Is he, is he uh, Penn State's defensive coordinator now? So, yes. um, so he's already got a new position. So he, he doesn't care he probably, either. <laughs> he probably got paid off, got a new contract. There you go. He's he, unfortunately he was a defensive guy at that moment. Defense was shocking, mm. so he, he didn't really have a, a leg to stand on, and he was a dead man walking most last season. Yeah, yeah, and like I say, it's, it's exciting higher because, like you say, it is. Um, it's nice to have a strong ACC. I think we were kind of all not relieved that Clemson weren't good this season, but we were kind of happier for it a little bit because it made the ACC more competitive. It made it more of a watch because it wasn't just Clemson and everyone else. So. Yeah, if uh, Miami can be good and, you know, UNC can continue under Matt Brown and a couple of other teams can come up and make it a bit more, um, you know, a, just a bit more competitive. Because obviously Clemson themselves, if we're talking, you know, we're talking about coaching carousel, Dabo's not left, but Tony Elliott's gone. Brent Venables, as mentioned earlier, has gone. So Clemson are in a bit of transition, you know, didn't perform too well on the field. Could be a nice ACC, especially if Miami are a bit better than they were last year. Yeah, it's going to be refreshing. Um, yeah. Like I said, mentioned earlier, I, I can't wait for Tyler Van Dyke to be a full starter next year. So um, from what he showed at the back end of last season, there's a lot to like about maybe the direction Miami's going into their current roster and top that up with uh, successful recruiting. And again, transfer portal as well. Like people will want to go and play for Mario Cristobal. So just having that name within within the organisation is going to attract talent like how Bama attract all that talent in the transfer portal because of, because of his Saban. Like it's yeah. name speak. That's why they get paid the what that's why they get paid the big bucks. Absolutely. Um I'll give you a name to watch for Miami Transfer Portal, Justin Flo, the linebacker, five star. He's barely played at Oregon because of injury, new coaching staff. Might just want to follow Mario out there. So I'd put that as a one to watch um for Miami getting him in the transfer portal. Um yeah, stick my neck neck on the line with that one. Yeah, but didn't they already get that? Was it Banks? Cornerback, I forgot where he's from, but they've already got a four-star cornerback, and uh, like apparently the murmuring is coming out of Miami that he's already from day one. He was already on the recruiting mission, and um, I forgot the name of the tight end, but he managed to convince a, a tight end to switch from Banner to Miami. So mm. that's what that's what that's what's needed. So um, power, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. So then finally, then we've just got uh, Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman to kind of discuss on our sheet here. Um, how, I mean, how did this kind of come about? Obviously, from what we were hearing from Kieran, Brian Kelly wasn't really on the list until it happened. And then, you know, he said that they were all family. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family. And then uh, <laughs> suddenly <laughs> turns up a guy from Boston talking like a guy from the South. And he's right there. I mean, I know that Kieran wasn't too impressed, and he'll tell you otherwise now, because obviously he's extremely partisan. But this is a good hire, right? I think Brian Kelly do a pretty good job there, taking over from obviously an LSU god. But he's a good football coach, and he's obviously done wonders with Notre Dame. So I, I can only see this going well. I, I think it's a win-win for both. I think LSU is a good coach, and they've got... They, they need to have a cultural refresh and a reset because Coach has been there for a long time. So it's going to be a case of new man, new ideas. Obviously we've heard, we, we've heard about stories about Kelly's 
ways in which he coaches and it's mm. quite sort of old school Very. can be a bit brutal so it'd be interesting to see how that how that translates especially with guys on nil deals now um where money is money talks more mm. um and then from a Notre Dame side i can't help but keep watching that video of when marcus freeman was announced as the head coach and how pumped those players were considering yeah. there was a there was a video the day before of obviously notifying well there was that leaked audio of, of notifying how brian kelly left and it was very sort of sudden and, and short and from from a player point of view they probably felt really undervalued and there was a big clamor for freeman to get the job and you just saw the reactions of the players and how much he's already valued within that locker room as a young coach that makes Notre Dame a lot more exciting. But I can't wait to see, like, if, if the players are bought into him already, what impact will he then again have on recruits? Yeah. And then how is his, like, a young black coach that is, like, it, like it, it, it's, it's great that, like, he, the opportunity's there and he's hopefully going to take it with both hands because, like... It's still a conversation that needs to be had, and it's it's great that like a young black coach is now leading one of the sort of the, the premier programs, and I hope he does well. The players looked pumped when they found out, and um, you know, good luck to him because I'll, I'll be rooting for him. Yeah, big agree, mate. Big agree. I mean, obviously, the other thing to mention as well to bring up is um, I think it was the day after Kelly got uh, well, I think you know, he kind of left. However, you want to put it. Like I say, it was really, really short, really, really sudden. I think the audio was about three, four minutes long, wasn't it? It wasn't very long at all. And then he was kind of like, right, see you later, that's it. Um, and then there was a podcast, wasn't there, Kyle Hamilton and a couple of Notre Dame players, I think it's four of them. They hold sort of an emergency podcast and I think they do a regular, it's not something I listen to regularly, but I definitely caught this clip. And they were shouting out Marcus, Marcus Freeman to be the next head coach. And obviously they got their wishes and they were, you know, sounding him out straight away. So like you say, he's obviously a player's coach. He's obviously got a lot of respect from that team. And like you say, the reception that he got when he was announced kind of spoke volumes, didn't it? And like you say, they are going to be bought in from day one. They probably have already forgotten Brian Kelly already. And um, it's not going to... I don't think they're going to skip a beat. I think they're just going to be absolutely fine. I mean, it had that much of an impact that people thought that Kyle Hamilton might not go to the NFL. So that's how much kind of buy-in they're going to have from him. So obviously Hamilton is going to go to the NFL. That's not happening, but... At the end of the day, that kind of shows how much respect he's got. And yeah, if if uh, if they can kind of carry on exactly where they left off, then they're going to be in a good shape, I think. And honestly, like I know it sounds really inconsequential, but Brian Kelly's southern accent on a basketball court and Brian Kelly's dad dancing with Walker Howard. I'm sorry, like if you want, like. As, a, as, a, as an outsider, if you want to start off on a bad foot and look like a bit of a plonker, <laughs> then <laughs> especially the dad dancing, I don't, I don't know who's in charge of LSU social media, but yeah, I think someone should be looking for a new job there, to be honest, because that was horrific. <laughs> it was a bit of an eyesore. It was, it was. I mean, like I say, like, yeah, it's a good point that you raised actually about the NIL and the way that coaches are going to have to be, might have to alter because money's on the line and things like that for these kids. So it's a good point. I do think he's a pretty decent coach still. And, you know, he'll probably still be a success. 
I guess conversely, what to what we were talking about with Lincoln Riley, he's kind of gone to a more difficult destination. But obviously, he won't have the constraints that are put on him by recruiting from Notre Dame. You know, he's not got a guy, people who are high grade point averages and things like that. Obviously, you know, doesn't have to recruit to a Catholic school and things like that. So he's going to get the shackles off him a little bit in that sense. So he'll he'll be uh, he'll be enjoying that freedom, I'd imagine. So um, yeah, it's something to talk out for for sure because. I think all four of these coaches that we've got and we've talked about have, have got some intrigue around them, to say the least. So um, it's going to be interesting to see because it won't all work out for every one of them, I'm sure. Oh, that's all right. They've got like, what, multi-year, $10 million, <laughs> $12 million a year packages. So if it doesn't work out, they're set for life. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all the people who kind of got given the big deals to kind of ward off all these predators that were at the door <laughs> as well, they've, they've ended up big winners like some Mel Tucker, for, for example. Yeah. What, over 10 years, off, off the back of a good season, admittedly. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's got the windfall and he's managed to not even move house for it. Fair play. You've got, it's, 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 as we know, it, it, the narrative can change very quickly. So where, where there's money on the line, you take it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I'm sure, again, some of those deals that were handed out off the back of a one good season won't be. Except it seemed like everyone got a 10-year deal this summer. I don't know, uh, this winter, sorry. I don't know about what you think, but it seemed like everyone was on super, super, super long deals. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the length of those deals, obviously, they're coming to be programme builders as well as uh, mm. maybe the expectation year one isn't isn't as great for, for these new head coaching hires. But um, going forward then you, you want to see returns on that investment in probably year three, year four. But that's where that's where they're running their, their big bucks then. Yeah, absolutely. Last thing then to finish off, kind of something that we didn't discuss beforehand, but obviously Obermeyer has been fired as the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. Is he done or does he rock up back in college football? And if he does, where do you think he ends up? Maybe not a team, but like a level of team or something like that. <laughs> I think you give it a couple of years. I think there will be... There will there will be a program that would want an Urban Meyer figurehead in that environment. Now he's got to do a lot of self reflection in terms of his style of coaching. Absolutely, what he what he preached wasn't exactly what he delivered. Um, he wasn't a player's coach. He everything that he promised fell flat on his face. Uh, he's got to rebuild his reputation, so I don't think he'll go to a massive program. Um, but Give it a couple of years, there will be a program somewhere. I, I honestly I can't really give a name because just college football just changes can change really quickly. Like I didn't, I never really expected Dan Mullen to leave Florida this year, the start of the start of the year, but how for how pants Florida were this year, I'm not I'm not surprised. Mm. So give it a couple of years. He knows how to recruit, so that will be a feather in his cap and he knows how to get through to college players and maybe his style for college, maybe his style of coaching is suited for college, not the NFL where with the, the thing is with the NFL, you're dealing with guys that have got multi, multi year contracts that have families that are sort of a more progressive in their adult life. Whereas when you're dealing with college kids, you've got, you probably need to be more of a father figure as a coach and as a guidance and a teacher. Mm. Um, and also as well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Rule's back in that conversation to be back in college. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Brady's on the hunt for a college gig. So there's going to be there's going to be sort of there's going to be positions opening because Matt Campbell's going to be another uh, keep being a hot name. Luke Fickle's going to keep being a hot name. So there's going to be a constant carousel. There's always going to be openings around. So give it a couple of years, and I think he's just got to rebuild his reputation. Maybe do some media work. Um, and didn't Chip Kelly do a bit of media work before going back into college? Like just to, just to, um, just from a PR standpoint, because it, it's pretty much shot to pieces. Because he can't be, uh, can't be going to bars and sort of, um, <laughs> and all the rest of the stuff as well. And uh, yeah, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. My instinct is that he's done. I don't see him coming back from it. But if he does come back, if someone does offer him. And like you say, it's college football. There'll always be someone who will be willing to offer him a route back in if, if they're desperate enough. I can see him going like a Lane Kiffin kind of route where he starts off at a Florida Atlantic and then works his way back to the, you know, to the top. Um, I don't know, but I, I do think he's done. I really do. I don't think he's, uh, he, I don't think he's going to come back from that. You know, it's even the, the thing that he's done when he's been on ESPN where he said, you know, all the, uh, hallmarks of a dysfunctional program and he's all those things in Jacksonville you know plus all like you say the scandal and stuff like that I think he's I think he's gone he's you know he's not getting any younger he's obviously you know had his health problems in the in the past and things like that so I think he I don't I think we've seen the back of him but yeah we'll we'll keep our eyes out for that one for sure yeah but the players did believe in him like his obviously he hasn't really done it in the NFL but let's look at someone like Dwayne Haskins Haskins absolutely spoke glowingly of what Urban Meyer did for him and like what kind of coach and what kind of man he was and helped him develop. So, um, yeah, it, let's see. Let's see because mm. uh, there will be a desperate, desperate college program that would, would kick it all in the can and just say, right, Urban Meyer's available, let's take him. Yeah. It, it, might, be a, it might be a marriage because... One college program could be desperate, and he's he's gonna be desperate if he wants to get back into coaching. Yeah, if he's hearts um, in it, if he's hearts yeah. in it, he's probably gonna find a route in. But no, we'll we'll wrap it up there. We you know we've we've done a lovely little roundup there. You've got right our teeth right into uh, some some real top topics. And I'm sure we'll like I say visit the the transfer at least, if not the the coaches as well, as the as the winter moves on. Obviously, we've got our draft guide, which is well underway um, by now. Content otherwise is dropping off a little bit. I think we'll bring back the weekly pods from from now. So you know, keep your ears ears and eyes peeled for those. But um, yeah, like full steam ahead for the draft guide, really, isn't it? You, I know you're going to get your teeth sunk into uh, all sorts of offensive linemen and to a lesser degree the tight ends. Yeah, I'm on offensive line. Well, offensive tackle. Really, uh, there's some there's some tasty guys to write up about and some under the radar guys as well. And uh, as we know, as we start to find out about how the NFL landscape is in terms of who's picking where in the draft and who's who's declaring. Now we're getting all that information through. It's time for mock draft season. Draft season, like I've always said, every year it's Christmas time as far as I'm concerned on that front. So, uh, so yeah, the more co- content will be flowing, and I'm sure we'll have our first mock draft out soon. So, um, yeah, can you pick it first overall? <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if I see that quite a lot from now until April, to be honest with you. But no, yeah, we will get, um, like I say, a mock draft gone uh, on the way, um, either audio or written. And uh, yeah, plenty of more draft content to come. We'll probably get some uh, some scouting series to kind of uh, you know run alongside the 
draft guide production. But no, we'll leave it for there for this evening. Raj, great to be back, my friend. And yeah, we'll be back very, very soon. Good to see you, boy. So yeah, thanks for listening. And yeah, catch us next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards. Thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.